Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Coach Josh. Want to officially welcome you guys and gals out to another live Q and A with yours truly. This one's going to be a short one, probably twenty-five to thirty minutes uh, of me answering you guys' questions uh, on the lines of anything, um, to the best of my ability, from my from my engagement with God, my interaction with Him, from my experiences, from what I've understand from exegeting God's Word. I'll be able to answer you guys as gals' questions to the best of my God-given ability. And for those who's been uh, watching for so long, I want to say thank you all so much for joining me and. And being a part of this unplugger community here online. And for those who's like, yo, I never met you a day before in my life. I never watched any of your videos, but um, someone referred me to you. I want to welcome you. My name is Coach Josh. My goal here is to help you grow spiritually for God's optimal use and to help you make sense of your life. That's my goal. And that's my mission in life is to equip you um, to be your uh, to be the best that God can uh, to, to be your best. So God can use you um, for his kingdom advance. So if you're watching this and you haven't yet subscribe, hit the bell, all that good stuff. And for those who are always rocking with me. I want to say thank you all so much for joining me. Um, and my goal is here to serve you. Um, I think that's all my my spill. Let's go to the chats. Estella, what's going on? Ayana, how you doing? Aries, what's going on? Uh, hey, coach, what's going on? Lynn Robinson, hello, hello. Michelle Miller, hey, how you doing? Venetria, how you doing? Estella, how y'all doing? Hope y'all doing exceptionally well. All the way from Australia, Naguia, Miss Harvey, how you doing? Thank you for joining me. Chanel, thank you for coming. K.M. Samuels, God has heard. Hello, how y'all doing? Can you pray for someone to be? Okay, Cassius Clay has already got the first question. Let's look at it. Can you pray for someone to get closer to God? Yeah, um, you could pray for uh, for anyone in any matter, um, but just know that God knows um, how long that person is going to take, and know the time length, and know the duration, or the things needed, trials, etc., for the individual to actually come closer. So there's nothing wrong for praying for someone to get closer to God, but in your prayer, uh, trust God's timing and not your expectations. Because sometimes we'll look at the outside and thinking that, oh, I got to pray harder because it's not working. No, just do. And what I always tell people, the wisest, the wisdom that I give people is pray when prompted when it comes to people. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying for people every day, but don't get, don't idolize, almost say idolize, but don't become so invested in someone's life that you feel like you're not doing enough because you're not seeing enough um, being birthed out of that person's life. So pray for people, um, but don't get so caught up. Um, pray when prompted. If you feel like you're in a season where God wants you to press in on a person, that's different. But I don't want you to get so caught up on, oh, I prayed real hard this week and I looked at their life and their next week and I didn't really see them get close to God. So maybe I should do more. Nah, God knows his timing. So pray for a person based trusting God's timing and don't be praying for people based upon your expectations of them. And then over time, you'll see the Bible says some plant, some water, but God gets the increase. All you got to do is plant the seed in prayer, water in prayer when prompted and uh, go from there. But yes, you can definitely pray for people for them to get closer to God. But trust God's timing and not your expectations. Hope that helps. Uh, what's going on, Candy? Sabrina, what's going on? Hi from Miami. Thank you so much for watching. Dana says, hey, coach, my question is on soul ties. Are men equally affected as women? Yeah. Um, let's let's look at it this way. And I don't want to generalize because people are different. But for the for the most part, by women being more emotional, they're affected immediately. By men being more mental, they're affected eventually. And 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 that's why women get confused because they because the man logically lures himself out of a relationship or logically perceives that something may be better. Uh, logic they get we're more headstrong. So what happens is, or the other part is stronger than in his mind. So he until he has finished his like the prodigal son until he has finished. Some men don't come into realization they did something wrong until years later because they allow the log the the. The, the logical part of their mind and the the lust of their loins to lead them, and then they have to eat and 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 and, and divulge into their lust and insecurities, and then at the end of that, men come and are turned around. But since women are more emotional, technically, um, um, uh, and for the most part, they're affected immediately because emotions are their their main. Not want to say their main language, but one of their dominant ways of expressing themselves. Since women are more logical and sometimes are are based upon um, how much self-control they have over their loins. They're going to just keep going and keep going. They don't realize how damaged they are until they come to the end of a thing. Um, so when it comes to soul ties, let me look at your question again. Why when you decide to, uh oh, that's another person's question. Hold on, let me go back up. Hey, coach, my question is on soul ties. Are men equally affected? Yeah, they're equally affected, but they, don't, they just don't feel the effects until later 
in most parts. There are some men who feels it immediately. That's when they have become infatuated with a woman and a woman has more of a strong disposition in the man. So the man who's more, who's more emotional or effeminate or, or just been around circles where he's more in tune with his emotion, he'll be affected immediately. But on the most part, because women are predominantly more emotional in some cases, they're affected immediately. Men who are logical and who just trying to figure this thing out are affected eventually. That's why you always find the big head text three months later, because it took him three months to realize who you were. And, and then about time he found out who you were, you done healed up in those three months. And that's what confused women. Like, why are you coming back now? It's because they went out there to did they dirty and they realized that, uh, uh, that what they was pursuing wasn't really what they needed. And now they want to come back to you. But that if a person doesn't recognize your value uh, for who you are and they're not clearly communicating what they need. And if a man says, hey, I think we need to just take a break because I feel like I'm overly infatuated myself with you. I don't feel like I'm growing like I need to grow. Then let that man do what he needs to do. But if a man just ups and leaves and doesn't recognize your value and they want to come back, you don't know what he's coming back to you with. He probably got Susie and Karen inside of him. Soul ties wise, he probably got STDs. You don't know what that man's bringing back to the table. So know your worth, build yourself up if you feel like you've been uh, broken away from from someone else. And so, yeah, men are equally affected. They just don't feel the effects till later in most situations. And I won't even say most, in a lot of situations. Uh, good question. Did Jaquila says, hey, I've heard, <clears throat> hey, I've had a bad experience with friends in the past and now I'm socially awkward around people. What should I do? Um, great question. And for those who are following along, the timestamps of these questions will be in the comment section below. So if you feel like, hey, that question was good for me, I want to make sure I find it for later purposes. They're, in, uh, they're all, for the last 15 or 20 or so Q&As, I've did timestamps for them. So, hey, I've had a bad experience with friends in the past, and now I'm socially awkward around people. What should I do? Um, it all boils down to reversing the effects of those bad experiences in your mind, right? Um, never let someone be the reason why you can't be your true self. Or don't, don't let, allow experiences to make you feel like you cannot be your best self. True self and best self, eh, kind of similar but different. Your best self is in it, always increasing in wisdom, always increasing in stature, always increasing, adding value where you are. Now, how do you, what you should do in those moments is to gradually build yourself into a place where you reverse those anxieties. Sometimes anxiety keeps you from uh, 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 advancing into crushing what uh, is making you feel anxious. The Bible says be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing because and in this life, you're going to have people. In this life, you're going to have to be in social environments. And in order for God to use you at a higher level or to use you in a, in a broader sense or just in an intimate sense, you're going to have to be around people. And some practical things that I would advise you to do is to really process your thoughts on paper. You For the last few videos, you're going to hear me, you heard me say, and in future videos, you're going to hear me say, the importance of processing your thoughts. When, where, why, how, when, who, what, who, what, when, where, how, and why. Those are the questions you always ask yourself when it comes to any situation. Some of those questions may not pertain, may not uh, uh, find itself in you what you're going through, but who? Who were the people? Now let's really let's analyze these people. Did they really mean anything in life? You know, like uh, were they really my friends? Um, um, because friendship is a loose term. Followers, friends, very uh, loose terms. But but they're but they're specifics. You know, a real friend is there for you to the end. You can't spell friend without end. They are people who are graced enough, strength enough to be your friend to the end. And and even Jesus' life, Jesus had the the, the crowd. He had the seventy. He had the twelve. He and he had the three. There are three people. Uh, I forgot the disciples by name, uh, Peter, James, and John probably, were the only three ones he transfigured himself in front of. He didn't show all of himself to all of the 12. He didn't show all of himself to the 70 uh, disciples, other 70. He didn't show all of himself to the crowd, but there were three people that he transfigured himself because he but he, because he knew those people will at least treasure that moment and 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 be and and create unique change because of those moments, right? So 
friends, if you have more than three people in your life that you call friends, you're going to end up having a Judas eventually. So you got to look at the who, when, when did this happen? Where were you at that point? Were you, were you, um, how old were you? When did this happen? Uh, what life situations contributed at that moment to make this thing feel so deep that it, that it is, and it shouldn't be that deep. When, who, what, who, what, okay. What happened? Who, what, when, when did it happen? What happened? What actually happened? Um, because some of the things that happen in the moment has deep impression, but when you grow and mature, you look at that thing and be like, that really wasn't really much worth for me to be upset about who, what, when, who, what, when, where, how, how did it happen? Why did it happen? Because most times when you ask yourself those kind of questions, you really find out I'm socially awkward off of an antiquated thought of this thing. This thing's so ancient. I'm grown. I'm better now. I shouldn't be thinking about this and then step into those social environments. And so when you're in the car, that's what I will always tell you. When you're in the car, Holy Spirit, say this with the Holy, Holy Spirit, I need your help. Guide me into the baby steps. Guide me into getting into a place where I become comfortable. Hey, I've had bad experience with friends in the past, and now I'm socially awkward around people. Yeah, trust issues. Uh, but when you understand the real definition of friends and know that we were, it's nothing wrong with being friendly, but we supposed to be, be selective when it comes to friends. So what I mean by that is I'm always friendly. Everybody knows Coach Josh is friendly. He's nice. But my friendliness doesn't mean that I'm soliciting friendships. So all the friends that I've had, the real, true, solid friends in my life, I can tell you, like, like I know it, like a back in my hand, the true brothers that I went to college with, the true friends that I have were sent in my life by God. You know why? Because we've been we've been friends for years um, and, and nothing can shake it. They have a purpose in my life. You see what I'm saying? So. I'm not in the business of selecting friends anymore. So don't worry about that. Don't feel the pressure of I have to pick my friends. No, you don't. God will select your friends. Be friendly and and only accept the friends you feel deep. Because when you're in friendship with God, he'll select the friends he wants to be a part of your life. So when you understand that it's okay to be in social environments because there's no pressure to make friends. All you got to do is be friendly, be kind, be understanding, be friendly. But that doesn't mean you have to have the pressure of, oh, shoot, I got to make friends. Nah, be yourself, uh, but make sure yourself is your best self. Don't allow these antiquated events, ancient events, cause you to be socially awkward in your life. I hope they help. I went long on that because I feel like more people probably have to process that themselves. Chanel says, "How do you? How do you? Uh, how do you? Okay, how do you go on space without a feeling rejected? How do you go on?" Let me scroll down and make sure you make sure you see Chanel, see if she uh, rephrased that question. Coach, what in the world do two? Okay. Okay. Uh, let's see. Chanel, what, what, what are you trying to say? Look at your sentence and, and rewrite it for me so I can answer it for you. I'm going to give you about five, 10 seconds to kind of, if you're still watching live, to write your question so I can better understand what you're saying. How do you go on? How do you gain space without... Okay, let me scroll back down. Chanel, if you're still watching, write your question down again so I can better understand and help you. Because I could just kind of go on for what I for what I think about. All right, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. There we go. How do you give space without getting rejected? Mm, how do you give space? How do you give... Elaborate for me real quick now that I got you here. Elaborate. How do you give space without getting rejected? Are you giving the space to someone or someone wants space from you, but you don't want to feel rejected by them giving you space? Help me out real quick. How do you give space? Mm -hmm. Rejection is protection. That's right. Okay, let me go up. I think I know what you're talking about, but if not, let me see if you're going to write something else. I don't want to feel rejected. Someone's asking for space from you. What's up, Adriana? What's going on? Welcome from the Bronx, the BK. I got you. So basically, uh, let me scroll back up so I can make sure I stay online. So basically... Like, like like your friend said in the comment section, it said rejection is for your protection. Uh, when someone wants space from me, then that's cool because now I have extra space. 
You see what I'm saying? Now I have extra space to breathe. I have extra space to process. I have extra space for energy. I have extra space um, to dedicate to my purpose. I have extra space for myself. So if someone wants, they say they need space from you, there's two things you have to think about. Number one, um, am I am I annoying? Am I not healed? Am, am I hurting them? Am I the reason? Um, but if I'm doing my best and this person still wants space and they want space because of selfish reasons, that's another way of thinking about it. But if you feel like, hey, this person wants space from me because they don't see me as enough, they they don't, they don't whatever, then you have to understand that humans are humans. Humans are not robots. Humans uh, go through maturity. Humans have different perspectives, uh, perceptions and perspectives. Humans got different vantage points, different upbringings, different family structures. So when you're dealing with those different variances and levels when it comes to humans, then you realize charge to the head, not the heart for most people. And you realize that uh, God is allowing this person to leave to create more space for him and to create more space for you to do what you need to do. Right. And so what I normally do when people feel like that I'm not enough for them or they leave or they abandon me or not even abandon because abandonment, that's back in the day. But if they just feel like, hey, coach, I no longer need you or want you. I know who I am. What 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 I have to do is make sure I don't get arrogant. <laughs> so abandonment, feeling the feel. No, it's making sure I don't get like, what you mean you don't need me? Who's you? Who's you talking to? Do you know who I am and whose I am? That's what I had to work on most recent times. Like you act like you don't need me, but then I realize, hey, you're dealing with humans, you're dealing with people. The feelings of rejection will rise, but what you do when they have risen determines your level of maturity, right? So people are going to reject you, but rejection doesn't, have, most in most situations, doesn't have, it's not addictive of you, it's addictive of the person that's rejecting you. When I realize just how when people do reject people, it's because of their insecurities or their infatuations or their self-centeredness, then I realize that's an insecurity of theirs. They're not rejecting me because I'm not enough or I'm not worthy or I'm not good. They're rejecting me because they don't understand or know how to interpret value. It's crazy how we devalue ourselves. We devalue ourselves based upon um, um, people's interpretation of value. You can't don't lower your value or feel bad or feel depressed or feel rejected because somebody else don't recognize value. Do you know how many times a Bentley is 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 not uh, a purchase? You know how many times a, per, a Bentley in a showroom has people come look at them and look at it and then leave? I bet you the Bentley, a, a Bentley don't feel rejected. The Bentley, oh, you just can't afford me. <laughs> so it's a different mindset shit that you have to go through to ensure how should I look at this rejection? Who is the person rejecting me? Why are they rejecting me? Uh, there, and there's no need. I feel like in my spirit, I have to say there's no need for you to go seek for closure on why they reject you. Because people who look for closure sometimes do not have a clear understanding of value. I don't have time to look for closure. I'm so solidified and sealed in, in my mind about my value. I don't need closure. Needing closure means you too, you too, you was too close to me. Needing closure means I got you in a high place in my mind. I don't need closure from you because I know who, 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 who is my source, right? So now you have to practically and systematically renew your mind about how you view yourself and making sure that you see yourself as worthy, not because of what somebody else done to you, but who he did, who or what he did for you. When you realize that that God is enough. Then when people don't see you as enough, your value doesn't change. So when someone wants space for you, let them have that space. But then when that person leaves out of your life, occupy that space with growth, personal development, uh, at, uh, uh, growing the things of God and build your value so that you can really, so you won't carry that rejection going forward. When you know who you are in Christ and you know that you're accepted by him and loved by him and that people are people, humans are going to do human things, then you don't you won't be drastically affected mentally, socially, emotionally and physically because someone leaves. Most the reason why most people leave, they they don't have what it takes to maintain you and maintain their self as well. Let them go. Let them do what they do. Occupy that space. Don't wait for them to come back. Don't leave a pillow for them. Don't leave room for them. Nah. If you left, then God, thank God, rejoice that God let them leave. Because most of the time, hindsight being 2020, the people that reject you, God was immensely protecting you. Hope that helped. I really do. I hope it helps.
KM Samuel says, what advice can you give for dating in your 50s after being single for many years? Um, he'll renew your strength like an eagle. You know what I'm saying? He'll, it, ain't, it ain't nothing too hard for God. The advice that I would give is um, is be, because these, these are the latter years of your life. You know what I'm saying? The next 30, 40 years are the latter years of your life. So you have to be um, even more submitted to God and, and, and welcomes the, the, the Lord's leading. Um, and it's the same that I would tell a 30 year old, the same that I would tell a 25 year old, let God bring him, let God bring them. You know what I'm saying? And realizing that, um, 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 that whoever God brings into your life is purpose focused. Meaning if you don't know your purpose, you won't know how to select the, you won't know how to recognize the right person. Um, pers- uh, being, uh, a personal issue with God leads to you to understanding your purpose. Understanding your purpose leads you to recognize the right person God sends. The more you know God, the more you know yourself, even in your 50s, because you're never too old for the will of God in your life. You're never too old for the purposes of God in your life, right? And so when you understand that, you will say, okay, I'm not even going to worry about trying to gain my rhythm of dating. I'm not going to try to make myself available. Just share your heart to God. God, you know what? I know I'm 50, but Lord, I still have a desire to be married and heavenly father, I'm going to continue to serve you. I'm going to continue to, to, to do what you have already told me to do, but I'm going to just give you this concern in my heart and I'm going to trust you with it. Right. Sometimes I tell people, well, no, I'm not going to even say that you code to God as often as you need to on this matter, but also be honest with yourself and ask yourself, why do I want to be remarried? Do I know myself enough to be married? Because these kind of questions will help you understand and be able to um, um, uh, with uh, to handle the time frame. The more you understand yourself, the more you understand why God is taking the, the time he's taking. Because sometimes we get so upset on why God is taking so long versus why are we not uh, going along with the program of development? You see what I'm saying? So when you ask yourself these questions of why do I want to get married again or or um, what is the purpose that, of why I'm here, the more you begin to sift through personal purpose-centered questions and and am I idolizing the idea of love, all these different things, then you'll be able to respect the time frame God uses to bring the right person. But my advice to anyone out there, no matter how old you are, but specifically for those who are 50 and older, like I would tell anyone, get cast your care over to God give it to him and go with the continued schedule programming. Stay focused, stay disciplined, stay working on your crafts, stay working on you and trust that God in his timing will bring the person to you. So again, I'm looking at your question again. What advice can you give for dating in your fifties after being single? Don't, don't date nobody. Don't date nobody because you're wasting your time making yourself available. God knows where you are. You don't have to open up a store and let everyone come and see if they are. are oh, you don't have to have a TV show, The Bachelorette, uh, The Bachelorette over 50. No, you just, God knows where you are. God knows where he is. Or if you're a gentleman, he knows where she is. Trust him. Deal with the things now that's 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 keeping you from trusting him with your whole heart. Trust him, Lord, with all your heart. Lean not into understanding. Your understanding is going to be like, well, how else am I going to meet somebody if I don't make myself available? Don't lean onto your understanding. Trust Lord with all your with your heart, because when you do, you have nothing else to lean on but Him. Trust Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understandings, but in all your ways acknowledge Him. God, I'm acknowledge you in this. I'm gonna let you lead in this, God, because if you really want a man of God to lead you, you gotta let God lead you. You see what I'm saying? People want. Uh, a man of God, but a man of God is going to lead how God leads. And if you're not willing to let God lead you in this, then you're going to be a hindrance in, in the man of God's leadership over the household. Now, I know that I recognize with a lot of ladies, they want a man of God, but they don't want the way they don't they don't know how they don't know what leadership looks like. Um, and so they 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 don't know how God leads, and then when a man leads, they be like, oh, I don't I don't know I don't know if I like this or not. I don't know, you know, no, maybe you're just not familiar with how God leads you probably. So these are all the types of things you have to process. But let God do the matchmaking, because the question is for anyone, I always ask, was this match made in heaven? Was this match made in heaven? So trust God with it. Don't try to get out there and make yourself. Don't lean into your understandings. And always acknowledge God when you feel frustrated. God, I'm acknowledging I'm frustrated, and He'll make your path straight. Good questions. Then it says, Why, when you decide to really get your walk with God right, it becomes so lonely? Because too many people 
or, or too many voices, too many voices are around, right? Um, loneliness is loneliness is a state of mind. Being alone, like you're never alone when you're with God. That's why I, I'm so glad that I got to a place in my walk with God in maybe last five or six years where I was content with him. I was truly content with him. Um, I was truly content that no matter what happens or what people do, I got God and, I, and I'm comfortable with that. I, I'm content in that. There's a peace there, right? Um, so now you have to look at your mind and realize did you want to, do you really want a lot of people to walk with you while you walk with God? Nah, um, because a lot of people are not in a mature place to help you understand God. So the reasons why it feels lonely when you're walking with God is because God is stripping you of your carnal dependencies and he wants you to be dependent on him, right? And when that transition happens or when you go from a place of dependent on relationships, dependent on friendships, dependent on idols, dependent on these different things, you begin to feel the effects of God stripping those things out of your life. And the natural thing that rises is I'm lonely. Loneliness is the fruit of false dependencies on people, right? So God is going to get you to a place where you realize, God, I love my time with you. Now the other hurdle will be after that is welcoming people with that because then you'll be like, I love God so much. I don't want nobody around. Then, you, then how are you going to get married? How are you going to want kids, right? So God's going to help you find that balance where there's uh, inter, interdependency with him, where you're, you, there's some dependency, uh, in, and there's some independence for you, and but there is dependence. There's a balance. Interdependence means there's there's things that I need to be independent on that I don't, I'm not going to ask God when to brush my teeth, when to use the bathroom. There's some independence, but I have to realize that independence must be rooted in my dependence in him, knowing that he's going to let me He's going to give me certain liberties. He's going to give me not what I mean by liberties. We're not talking about carnal lifestyle. We're talking about liberties in regards to executing at a greater level in ministry or a greater level in whatever, that you have certain liberties that that he trusts you, that you don't really have to go back and forth with God about. Should I, you, you've grown into a maturity where you're able to manage those things without uh, every minute on the hour kind of going back to God. But but that's still rooted in your dependency on him, knowing that it's in him that you live moving out of your being, that you know that, yo, without God, I am nothing. Your mindset has matured, right? But no, that's the reason why you feel lonely, because because there was probably some false dependencies on friendships and people um, that God is stripping you from. And that's a natural emotion when that happens. And then you're going to get to a place where you recognize, I really love my time with God. And then you'll go on from there. But that's normal. God has to attack your idols first and your dependencies first so that he can properly root you in him and get you bearing the fruit that he needs for you to bear for his kingdom. Every says, when someone leaves you with children and you did nothing wrong and they admit they left you for someone else, been cheated on you, how do you handle that? Your value cannot be in someone's interpretation of value for you. Um, you got to understand that... Um, and there's two things I want to address here. Number one, you have to realize that people will leave. People, not will, people may leave, right? Um, you continue to do what you do as a God-fearing woman, and you continue to be kind, but know that there should be the stages and limits to your kindness just because he was able to enter in at a point in time. You know what I mean by enter in? Doesn't mean because you his baby mama, he needs to just be able to just come and knock and do whatever he needs to do. No, you begin to build yourself up in your most holy faith, establish your value in Christ, understand who you are, uh, build yourself up, strengthen yourself, get in that word, get focused. And what before all of that can occur, you have to be honest with yourself on why you're still feeling hurt. You have to be honest with yourself and invent and process and, and, and really think through um, how deeply affected I am by this, right? And that's na that's natural because there's kids involved, and and you have this mindset of what what then will I ever be enough for somebody? Why wasn't I enough for him? And now you get into this comparison mindset where you be like, what made her? Is she better than me because he left me for her? Don't even worry about that because you're putting too much value in a man's decision making, in a flawed man's. You can't. You got to be in the the flawless one's decision 
decision-making for you. He flawlessly made a decision to pursue you and to save you. So that's where your value has to come from because men are going to fluctuate in their feelings. He probably had father issues. He probably had upbringing issues. This doesn't make you, because there's certain people you shouldn't have empathy for, for entrance, re-entrance. Empathy is one thing. But don't gang, don't garner empathy to allow a re-entrance. You know, some people can be like, oh, I, oh, I, under, I understand why he left. Okay, well, let me let me see if I can garner up some grace for him and be that safe. No, 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 no. There's no need to establish empathy at the level for he, for you to feel like he can re-enter anytime he comes. No, you got to be able to say, I understand why you did for you did. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to allow you back into my life because because you did what you did. You cheated. You left me with the, with, 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 no, I don't want to say these kids, but you left me with our kids. I can't trust your decision making. I can't trust that you really coming back for genuine purposes. But because from here on, I believe that no matter if I have uh, two kids or three kids, that God has somebody out there as I heal up, as I grow up, as I mature up, as I level up, that God will bring somebody that will take care of me and mine. And that's the mindset you have to develop because. Um, when someone cheats on you, that doesn't, that should not dele- determine your value. I was cheated on back when I was growing up. And, and what, uh, what I had to realize was, and what it had to do with me, you know what I'm saying? Like, or, or it had nothing to do if a person wants somebody else, most people are not mature enough to cut things off. They want their cake and yours too. They want your cake and theirs too. You see what I'm saying? They, they want to be able to have options. They know that you're a good thing, so they want to keep you in the back burner, but still beat someone's back in somewhere else. You see what I'm saying? And so with those kind of people, you just got to let them loose because those people don't know what they want. Indecision is a decision. And so I'm going to make the decision for you. I'm out of the equation. That's what you got to say. I'm out of the equation because I'm not going to wait for you to make a decision. And you already made your decision and cut me off. Now I'm thankful that God allowed this to happen so that I'm able to recalibrate, regroup, rebound, and go forward in what God wants me to go forward in. So when someone leaves you with children and you did nothing wrong and they admit that they left you for someone else, but cheating on, et cetera, how do you handle that? You handle that by making sure that you handled carefully. Um, right now, outside of your box is the word fragile, right? Because a significant situation has happened. Now you got to make sure you put your hands, put yourself in the hands of God. And I know that sounds spiritual. Let me get practical with it. Now you have to say, okay, God, here I am. I'm hurting. This is what happened. Help me to forgive. Help me to grow from this and walk into the supernatural help of God. Lean into the supernatural help of God. Get you a journal so that you can vent and process your thoughts in accordance to the word of God. There's a lot of different practical things. Um, uh, uh, ask God to surround you with the right accountability. Ask God to plant you in the right church. Um, uh, uh, and those different things will kind of help you process that. And when you do see him come around, if you don't build yourself up now, when you see him, you're going to be reminded. One thing you can't erase are memories. You're going to remember what that person did to you. It's not about what you remember, it's how you remember it. God wants to change the way you remember. When I look at the people who's ever abandoned me or hurt me, I have no ill will toward them. I've let them go. I understand why they did it. I understand the will of God and why they did. I'm glad that they did what they did because I would not be where I'm at today. And that's the mindset you got to have. So when those thoughts, because whatever you don't deal with, the devil will, will make a deal with you. Or whatever you don't deal with it or address right now, he will attack you with that thing. So you got to really change the way you see that systematically through the word of God, systematically through venting and processing your thoughts, systematically really ciphering through through detail of everything that, that happened and really see that God is able to take care of you and your children. And that begins where the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You see what I'm saying? And when you get into the word, you get into a, a right community, you get in the right accountability, and you get into a, a, um, uh, a rhythm where you're developing yourself, man, you'll see how great God is. And you'll be able to, because while you're in the middle of things, you feel like, wow, this is a lot. But when you come out of that thing, you look back and be like, wow, it was good that I was afflicted. Because if I wasn't afflicted, I wouldn't know your statutes. The Bible says, in this life, you will face trials and tribulations, but be of good cheers, overcome them all. Um, this is going to build your message, it's going to develop your message. It's going Because when, when mess has aged, you have developed a message. 
And then our God's going to utilize your voice from your experiences to, to help a lot of other women process through this. Hope to help. Next question. Michelle says, so have, so you have made mention of having a morning routine with God before getting the day going. Uh -huh. How long in silence are you supposed to sit before hearing from God? Um, uh, silence is, uh, it just depends. Um, silence for sensing, you know how, um, like I have a, de a dehumidifier in the house, right? And before it really kicks on, it senses, right? Sometimes it senses for two minutes. Sometimes it senses for seven minutes. Um, I'm, I can't give you a, a, a certain number um, because I don't want you to be attached to that number. Um, but that's the beauty of relationship is going with the flow, is finding that rhythm, is knowing God and knowing how he talks and how he guides and how he lures. The thing is, is to step in that in faith, step in faith that know that God is going to lead you. That's the important thing. Your mind has to get out of the way and your faith has to uh, pave the way. Right. So when you step in it by faith, Holy Spirit. I'm in my training wheels right now. You know, I'm new to this guide me. And I promise you when you come like a child, when you come humbly, when you come um, truly knowing that, wow, I get an opportunity to try this out, then you'll begin to see um, how God will, through his spirit, will begin to uh, groom you into the sensitivity, into sensing where he wants you to do. So let me read your question again. So you made mention of having a morning routine with God before getting... Routine must come from relationships not routine for relationship. Routine must come from relationship, not routine for relationship. If you don't remember anything I said in this video, please write that down. Hashtag it, share it. Routines must come from relationship, not for. Some people build routines for relationship with God. That's works righteousness, right? But if you're building a routine from your relationship, that means some of those, some of those days, routines won't be the same. See what I'm saying? Because it's a relationship. I can't expect that my wife and I are going to wake up the same way, the same thoughts on our mind, the same. If I do that, then I'm going to be disappointed. I'm going to have false expectations. It's no, you know, I'm going to go, it's a relationship. I'm dealing with the person. I'm dealing with the uh, a, a God that's, 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 that gave us our human qualities, the pure kind, right? So that's where you got to get to where you just say, okay, my routine is going to come from a relationship. And the more you invest in relationship and not in your routine, routines you're going to invest in, but start in your relationship. And then you'll begin to see how he uh, mixes and matches and changes the routines for your day based upon the matter at hand. I hope that helps. So I didn't want to put a time on how you should wait and hear from God. Just, just go in it by faith and let the Holy Spirit continue and process and help you go forward is what I'm trying to say. Good question, though. Daughter of the King, what's going on? How you feeling? Most men I've dated in my past have all cheated or been violent when I was growing up. I had guy friends more than girlfriends. Now I get nervous around males. Um, you just gotta look at uh who you was back then and 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 come to peace that hey, you didn't have all the pieces. You maybe didn't have your father there as a piece, you may not have an understanding about men, but now that you're growing in the things of God, there's no need to fear because now you have understanding, now you have wisdom, now you have experience. But do not allow those experience to cause trauma to cause you now to withhold yourself from the man that's going to deal with you gently. A man that's going to treat you with respect, honor, and, and dignity, right? Um, so despite forget well. Change the way you see how those men cheated, treated you because those wasn't men. Boys and men, there's difference between men and men of God. Men of God, men, they have different reverence points. They um, they may revere or honor things out of out of priority. And I did a video on priorities, I think, with my boy, my homeboy BD on the Good Guys podcast that I think will help you. But uh, but men of God fear God. Men of God who fear God fear their woman. 
Let me change the word. Men who revere and reverence God, revere and reverence their women. Where there is no fear, there is no wisdom. The Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. Any man, that's how you choose. That's how you can determine who you should allow to be your friend or who you even should even consider is what is their level of fear in God? Because if they don't reverence God, they're not going to reverence you because people don't reverence God can care less if God sees everything. There's no fear. There's no honor. There's no no desire to give God the glory. So those people cannot be trusted. So therefore you have to change your acceptance or your openness towards these kind of men and realize, let me forgive myself. Let me forgive those men. Yeah. I, at that place in my life, I wasn't mature. I really wasn't where I need to be with God, but that's not an excuse for me to, to, to withhold myself uh, from being my best self. But I have to realize that those men were not men of God. I was growing into a woman of God at that point. And now that I'm growing into things of God, I'm growing in my understanding. And now when I go forward, I'm no longer gripped or paralyzed or stifled by that fear, but I'm actually walking by faith, trusting that God will bring the right kind of men in my life. And when men do come your way, you'll be able to recognize what they are. You will have, well, I'm not letting this man in. I'm not going to let this person even try to be my friend or whatever, because I can discern on my own through the spirit of God. This person ain't for me. Don't be nervous. I understand you're going to grow. It's, it's, you're nervous now because of your experiences, but you're making new experiences with God that will help you to reshape your mind about your past experience. So let God heal you so that you um, can navigate life uh, free of worry. That don't mean you don't be cautious. That don't mean you don't be uh, um, sharp and, and um, smart like a like a serpent and able to um, you know, discern. I ain't talking about being, you know, all out there. I'm just talking about just being wise. All right, time for two more. And I got to go. Should Christians date Catholics? Can two walk together lest they be agreed? So Catholics believe in Mary having some deity. That's not what the word of God says. You see what I'm saying? Um, Mary ain't got nothing to do with the salvation process. She was just the, um, the vessel that carried the Christ in, but that's it. Uh, but those, but, but religious, not religious, but, um, uh, belief roots or belief systems are important um, because how can two walk together as they be agreed? How can um, uh, how can y'all uh, be yoked together to at equal pace to go in a direction without being a burden if y'all got different belief systems? So I don't. I, it's not wise to date someone who don't have the core fundamental truths um, of what you believe in. You shouldn't. And I, in my honest opinion, let God bring the right person in your life. Um, because even in Christendom, there's unequally yokes in, in Christians. Um, there's why would no, no, uh, seasoned man or woman of God is going to should, would even think about dating a babe in Christ. A babe in Christ may desire a strong man, a strong woman of God, but they're, they're unequally yoked because the baby's still a baby. You know, that's pedophilia. That's, that's Christian pedophilia. You know what I'm saying? It's like, why would I date someone younger who, uh, that's just not right. You know what I'm saying? So no. Uh, Soraya says, how to nicely turn down an interested babe in Christ. <laughs> Here we go. This must be the rhythm. How to nicely turn down an interested babe in Christ when God has confirmed who his ordain, who his ordained, who he has ordained for me is. We are all a part of the same community. Um, how to nicely turn down an interested babe in Christ. What you do is, is um, what you do. You can uh, start off by doing this. Um. Now that you know they're interested, it is now your responsibility to communicate, right? If the person is not getting the message, right, that you're not interested and they're still got this whole, I believe that God is the one for you, then you gently pull them to the side um, in an open space, um, maybe in a foyer in a church or maybe by the car or or um, whatever, and just say, hey, listen, um, I'm really pursuing God's will for my life. And don't even say words like at this moment, because that's that that triggers a man to still pursue or to wait. Just say, hey, um, I believe that you're not the one for me. And it's my responsibility to make sure I a number one, don't lure you on. And number two, uh, calls you to continue to build feelings towards me. So I think it's in your best interest um, to take me off of your interest list and 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 really seek God about the will of God for your life. Sometimes doing that, cutting it off like that really shows maturity. Um, a lot of people have a, a hard time doing that because they don't hurt people's feelings. No, they're hurting their own feelings. 
You see what I'm saying? So me hurting their feelings is indicative of them, of them being so consumed in their feelings. So I've came into a place in my life where I don't mind hurting people's feelings so they can be um, not hurting their feelings intentionally. But if your feelings are hurt from my honesty, if your feelings are hurt from me telling you the truth, then that's all for me. That's on you. Maybe there was too much idolatry there. Maybe there was too much interest. Maybe there was false motives. And you and your feelings. I don't got time to, to manage your feelings. You see what I'm saying? And when you understand that, you'll know that there's nothing wrong with communicating what you know to be true, even if those people don't feel like hearing that truth. Because you tell that truth, it's going to hurt them for a little bit, but they're going to respect you later on when they meet their right one and they go on with their life. So nicely means, hey, pull them to the side and just say, hey, man, I think you're a great person, um, but I just don't think you the person for me. And so um, this doesn't mean that I hate you. This just means that I know what God has for me. And I just know that, dang, it's, it's going to sound tough no matter how you say it. But just say, hey, trust that God has someone for you. And you go on about your life and you stay consistent with that. If that person still want to pursue you, nah, they, they probably wouldn't do it after that. But you still can, you stay consistent with yours. You keep it moving and make sure you stay committed to what you communicated. Most people communicate things, but they still flirt. Nah, be committed to what you communicated. Hope to help. All right, such a good question. Uh, hello, coach. Hey, a guy asked me out on a date. I accepted. He replied, well, We'll plan it. Why should I plan a first date? Don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. If someone, if someone is asking for your time but doesn't have a plan for the time they're asking you away from, then that person needs a little bit more training. And 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 I wouldn't even go on a date in the first place because um, you don't got time to be with somebody that's going to waste your time. The people, the one that God has for you is going to work your time, not waste your time. And I and trust God that God will bring the right person for you because, man, it's a waste of time. Trust me. It's a waste of time. Trust God and, and he'll do it in a quicker time and then you wasting your time. Because when you waste your time, right, you waste your time. It it would now you done double the time. And God would if you just trusted God, it would have been in a shorter time frame. See what I'm saying? But if a guy, listen, listen, ladies, you can put you on game. If a guy doesn't have uh, um, if a guy doesn't have plans for your time, don't give him your time. You're talking about will plan for it. What you mean? You asking me for my time. What's your plan for my time? If you don't got a plan for my time, then why should I waste my time helping you plan the time that you're taking me away from? See what I'm saying? Nah, these guys out here need a little bit more training. They need more fathers. They need more mentors. A lot of these guys out here are genuine. Some of them are genuine. They just don't have guidance. But let him grow up. That's not your job to help him grow up. But like, hey, man, let me put you on game. Hey, next time you ask a woman about on the first date, plan it. And since you didn't, since you kind of, and right now I'm not even making my time available because why am I going to, why I, women should not be coaching men in areas where they have should already got the playbook on. You see what I'm saying? I shouldn't have to coach you when you got the playbook. I ain't talking about making like playing you not like that, but you should know how to do these different things. How a man supposed to approach a woman? How a man supposed to come at a woman and and treat her? Man, come on, man, y'all don't got time to waste time on it. Last one, I gotta go. Info on discernment and not looking too much into situation, learning when to pay attention and when not to. Um, I did a video. Me and BD talked about priorities and paying attention. I gave a lot of good points on where to pay your attention. Uh, when it comes to so watch that video on the Good Guys podcast channel, I talked about, uh, we, me, me and Brandon, I talked about, we gave a lot of points on how to prioritize your life and what to pay your attention to, right? So info and discernment and not looking too much at situations, um, dissect it. That's how you build your discernment, by dissecting it. Really looking at the who, what, when, where, how, looking at uh, who sent it, what happened, um, dissecting it. Does it line up with the word of God? Um, take your time. That when you begin to dissect situations and dissect the situations and, and experiences, it helps you 
build a quick response time and a recognition in your brain to recognize things. Like for me, I can discern things quicker because I've made discernment a habit. You see what I'm saying? I'm able to recognize things quicker because of my experiences and how my brain naturally dissects things. My brain can give me, I could think 10 moves ahead of a lot of things. That's why I don't get trapped in a lot of things because I think 10 moves. You know what I'm saying? And so, so my brain just be like, okay, let me dissect this thing. What are the pros? What are the cons? What could I lose into entertaining this? What, 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 what could happen? And then as you make that a habit, then when new situations come and new things approach you, you your recognition will be quicker. Um, when you see value in you, you will value your attention. Your attention is currency. That's why they say pay attention. Attention is currency, especially in the social media area. People are purchasing attention. They're purchasing space that will garner your attention. What you give attention will determine your success. Most people are giving, paying their attention to things that's going to cause them to be in detention, detained, kept away from what they should be uh, flourishing in. So when you recognize your value, you'll begin to understand the value of your attention. And you'll be like, you know what? Like, like I told him in the video, I'm not going to pay my attention to a three-hour basketball game when I could have, when an NBA game, when I can pay that attention into something that's going to build my, you know, retention, that's going to increase my retention, that's going to increase in my, uh, my success, my inventions. You see, I was looking for another word. You see, you saw what coach did. I was like, okay, and okay. I was thinking, okay, uh, uh, what's the word? What's the word I was gonna use? I gotta think about attention. Okay, what goes with attention? I was like, oh, 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 inventions. Okay, oh, 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 retention. You see what I'm saying? So that's why when the more you value yourself and you got a clear understanding of your purpose, you don't have time to pay attention to things that's keeping you away from being who you need to be. That's all I got for y'all. I went 20 minutes longer than I expected, but um, I'll pray that we gave y'all some valuable, um, we, oh yeah, me and the Holy Spirit, pray that we gave y'all some great information um, to help you get on your way. All the information you need about me is on my website, Iamunplugged.com. Um, the Good Guys YouTube channel got a lot of great resources there. Um, the uh, Mr. Ezzy channel for younger for younger kids. Um, I'm going to start doing more videos for that real soon. Uh, but there's a lot of good content for kids there. Um, six books on Amazon: The Purpose of Singleness, The Purpose of Freedom, The Purpose of Freedom's book on soul ties and strongholds. World War Me is a book on uh, warfare. Unplugged is the first book I worked, did on ten well eleven years ago. Top things you need to be unplugged from. Um, and those books are, are are what they are uh, for the level of my excellence. So I know there's going to be some errors there, um, but we're working on getting to where the next things that I do will be more polished, more uh, whatever. But uh, uh, despite all that, it's still great content in there. And I got a book called Dating Prep. It goes with my card game, Dating Prep. All those things on my website. I created two card games. Memory Muscle Game is a game to help you uh, memorize scripture and apply it in your everyday life. Dating Prep are questions for every stage of the dating relationship. No matter if when you get married, you're still going to be dating while you're married. You're still going to be dating your wife. So there's great questions for the cloud phase when y'all first met, the cement phase when it's really getting real, and the corporation phase when it's time to build um uh, uh, generational wealth and kingdom advancement um, things within your union. Uh, so those questions are good for you. I'm working on some more card games for next year, but all those resources, including two car, uh, two, co um, two um, courses, one course, I did a course on insecurity, another course on uh, procrastination. Those courses are available. And of course, the 1500 plus videos I have on YouTube. I pray all those things will be a blessing to you. Um, if you want to give the support, what I do here, that's cool too. If you want to give the support, our mentoring program, Propel, you can go to weprepel.education or you can go to our Instagram page, we Propel. Oh no. Yeah. We Propel CLT. Oh no, no, not we Propel. Propel CLT and see what we do with the kids. Our mentoring program starts in February. So we need your help to get their books, to get to feed them every week. And there's a middle school that we want to get into. So we need your support. Look on our website, learn more. Love y'all. Y'all be blessed. Um, share this. Uh, podcast, like, subscribe, hit the bell, all that good stuff. Love y'all. Y'all have a great week. How you end your day today will determine how you start your next day. So while you still have time, I'm on Eastern Standard Time. If you're watching somewhere in London and Africa, y'all already in tomorrow. But before you start your day, start it with God. Start it with the one that started your day and watch how he finishes your day for you. Love y'all. Y'all be blessed. Peace. <laughs>